Welcome to the Sports Epreneur Podcast, the podcast where sports and entrepreneurship collide, a CadSource production. In this episode, I chat with Coach Dan McGovern, known to many as Coach Mack. We discuss the three feelings in sports, youth basketball, and finishing what you started. Coach Mack is the founder, owner, and director of Yes I Can Basketball. Yes I Can Basketball is the most popular youth basketball program in Charlotte, North Carolina for boys and girls. It will be expanding across the country as Yes I Can is now a franchise. It was a privilege to chat with Coach Mack on this podcast as I've watched him lead young children as two of my own kids have participated in his leagues and camps. Having the opportunity to ask questions and think through many topics around development with an inspiring entrepreneur is something I take very seriously. And I hope you're able to take away something from this conversation for yourself. We welcome Coach Dan McGovern. Sportsypreneur is a content platform, a collaborative team, and a marketing brand that is all about showcasing leaders and difference makers in and around the world of sports. While we create our own content, we also create content with you. This includes collaborative content and exclusive content for your brand. Think podcasts, blogs, social media, and overall content strategy. Our sports content marketing team is specifically niche for those in the sports industry. That includes sports businesses, athletes, managers, coaches, trainers, entrepreneurs, and business leaders in the sports market. The bottom line is we want to help with your sports-related brand, your content marketing, and your story. Connect with us on Instagram at sportsepreneur or find us online at sportsepreneur.com. Sportsepreneur, the content platform where sports and entrepreneurship collide. I read something, I think it was Charlotte Weekly, and I was there. I've lived it, and we're going to get into some stories there. But about Yes, I Can Basketball, about your organization, I saw something that said a steady diet of motivational messages. And you think that's really good for kids to hear. And sometimes they don't hear it, and sometimes they do hear it, but they need to, like we were just talking about, they need to hear it in a different way. I had already been a fan of what you were doing because I got to sit there and I got to watch. My son's my oldest. I have three kids. My daughter's been a part of the Yes, I Can program as well. But going back when my son, this is probably six years, seven years ago, they just finished a game. They did their practice. They played the game. It's a great atmosphere. People are excited. The gym's lively. The kids are having a lot of fun. If sure enough, there's a game ends and the team wins and the team loses. The team that lost, it was a very close game. Not all games are close, but this game was a close game and either team could have won. And some of the kids were a little bit upset. You know, they were going to get over it regardless, right? Their kids, they're going to go have a snack. They're going to go play outside, play with their friends, ride their bike, all that kind of thing. But you guys do this five minute or so message where the kids sit on the court and they listen to you or they listen to one of your instructors. They're all great, by the way. And this day, one of the teams had lost and you gave this message and you said, boys, I want to tell you something. There's three feelings in sports. There's winning, there's losing, and there's not participating. I want you to talk about that now because I've never lost sight of what you said. And to a point where I wrote a short article about it. And that article, some years later, because it probably wrote it in 2016 or 17, you came across it a couple months ago and you actually called me on the phone to tell me what you liked about what we were doing. Out of nowhere, you didn't have to do those things. But anyway, going back to that three feelings in sports, I see that in entrepreneurship and building a business. There's winning, there's losing, and then there's not even participating. It hit me very hard. It still hits me to this day. And it's an honor to actually even chat with you about that, among many other things, but the three feelings in sports. I'll talk about that. In terms of those motivational messages also, Eric, I don't think I would have much interest in running our program if all we did is how to defend a screen, how to make an entry pass. If it's just basketball, I just don't think I have much interest I've always had a, a yearning to have some kind of significance and purpose in my life. And when we have a captive audience, we have a responsibility to at least share some kind of a, a positive message with them. So we have developed a library of impressive stories. Sometimes stories really have a big, big impact on kids. That particular message does not, but it has to do with what they just felt, just what they just experienced. But I'm to address that in two ways. One, in terms of athletics, but then two, the other way, in our life or in business. And I'm an example of that. And I'm going to point the finger at myself. So, yeah, there's three feelings in sports. The best is to win, the second best is to lose. And then people say, what? What's worse than losing? Sit in the stands, stand on the sidelines, not being involved. And I want you to understand if you measure athletics simply as win-lose, 
lose, you're missing it. There's that joy of competition. That's not, that's a hard concept for young kids to, to understand, but and some days you just give your all, your best. You do the best you can do. It's just not good enough. But you know what? You say, I competed today. I really shined and I did a great job. And so I want youth to understand that it's not just winning and losing. It's not. It's just the joy of feeling that heat in the kitchen, that joy of just competing. And so that's the message with that. Now, on the business side or in life, it's the same thing. And I think a lot of us are guilty of staying on the sideline, afraid to get in battle. Maybe we'll feel overwhelmed. Maybe we're afraid of failure. And I have to point to myself as being guilty of that. There are too many times I think I've passed on opportunities because I've been too, too careful and afraid jumping into something. I thought, oh dear, maybe sometimes it's safe, Eric, but yeah. it's been a good life lesson for me as well. Absolutely. I heard it when you put your heart into something, if you lose or something happens, it hurts more. So if you care so much, that's why you talked about March Madness at the beginning. And if we were to be watching the games, there would be, we'd watch a game and there'd be games on this afternoon. One team would win, one team would lose. And you would inevitably see players, kids crying because they just lost. They just put themselves out there. And now we live in this age of social media and there's me a lot of haters, there's me a lot of doubters and you're wrong and you're bad and you're a failure. They put it out there. They put their heart into it and they lost and it hurts more. And you see that. And I think there's this fear possibly of losing, which could be a good thing, right? Because there is this ultimate goal. And it's, it's this weird, we talk about enjoying the journey. I'm sure you've seen teams, many teams that haven't won, that came up short, that because they didn't win, was it, oh man, they didn't enjoy the journey? Not at all. I mean, some of the best players we talk about all the time, if you look at baseball, you look at someone like Ted Williams, you're like, what, he never won the World Series? You look at basketball, players like Patrick Ewing, Carl Malone, John Stockton, Charles Barkley, never won the championship. Were they less of players because they didn't win? There is this thing where you have to go. They went in their entire career and didn't win. How do you look at that? Because the ultimate goal is possibly to win in a game, right? You want to win that championship. But talking to someone who's coached at the collegiate level, who's helped kids, who's helped your own son, who, who's a part of the game of basketball and the game of youth sports and just life in general, how do you see that? How do you talk to kids? Because there's a good chance you're not going to hit that ultimate goal. And you talk about winning, losing, and not participating, and maybe that's just it. But you're also going to be there when they come up short. If I'm not mistaken, you got to the championship game. Your team maybe didn't win the championship game. They participated. Is it the winning, losing, and not participating part? Yeah, I've been there. I before college, I coached high school, and we played for the state championship in front of 14,000 people in Texas. And I was just a young, young coach. I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm extremely competitive, but I also have the, the understanding, the peace. I think that's the right word right there, Eric. It's just a peace of mind that did you prepare? Did you give your very best in everything that you did? I've seen people handle losing in a real negative way. And I've never been attracted to that very much. I really appreciate people that lose with dignity and grace and just have a balance and sometimes that's even the parents who I think sometimes yeah. <laughs> these are eight, nine-year-old boys and half of them wet the bed. Like, stop. <laughs> I'll let you take the conversation. No, I appreciate that. So what's interesting is because you were saying, well, what's your question? And I think sometimes it's not a question. A lot of times it's just thinking through these things. It's a complicated thing to think about because... Well, we're supposed to set out. We're supposed to go on this journey. We're supposed to have this process. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be ups and downs. You hear all the cliches from sports and from if you're a fan of sports, if you enjoy watching your team play, it's complicated because, well, you want to win it, but only one team can win it, right? There's so many teams. There's 30 teams or 32 teams. And in college basketball, there's how many teams? You're not going to always win it. And you use the word and it's peace. And I think that's right. And I think we need to think through those things. And the earlier we do start thinking through those things, the more peace you possibly have. And a lot of what I'm saying isn't necessarily, like you say, a question. It's more like, it's just a thought process of thinking through it because I think it's very important because we live in an era right now where, I mean, we see it in the NBA, there's ring chasing. So now we have this culture of you have to go win the championship. If you don't win the championship, well, you're just not good enough anymore. Not to everybody, right? But to maybe the average person on Twitter, 
well, you're a failure. You didn't win the championship. Well, there's a lot of factors involved with that. Did they try their best? Do they have peace in the moment? Yeah, maybe in the second, maybe they are in tears. Maybe they're very upset and disappointed and let down and all those different things. But you watch this and you have to think through it. I mean, you're a Jayhawks fan. Kansas Jayhawks are an incredible program. They've had incredible successes, but we've seen some of their best teams not win. Are they failures because of that? Did they know that there's a very good chance that some other team might just have the better day that day and they just didn't win it? I just think it's a big question to ask because it relates not only to youth, to kids, to all these other things that could be in business. And you set out on your business and it's just you have to keep going. You have to keep grinding because like that college basketball player, when he leaves, there's so many other things. He's what, 22 years old, maybe 18 years old. They have their whole life in front of them. Their professional career might never happen or it might end at age 30. Then what? I've talked to professional athletes. I just talked to one the other day, played at Ohio State, played for the Carolina Panthers. Nate Sally, 27 years old, four knee injuries. His career ends. He says to himself, now what? Well, now what? It took him a while and now he's got his now what? And he's going with that now what, which is even more important than his playing days. Anyway, I'm just talking here because I think it's a very important thing that we deal with in sports. And it's an opportunity when I have someone like you who's seen it all at many different levels. And then you bring up the parent aspect of youth sports. And youth sports is a big deal. But yeah, go ahead. Before we get on that subject, let me just put a bow on what you were just talking about, Erica. I find that I think there's so many layers. Like it's like an onion. You can, this is sports. It's like an onion. You can peel it off and peel it off and peel it off. There's just so many different layers of it. And one of those is the winning and losing. I think you and me and all these other people who have been involved in sports, I think we're attracted to a lot of different things. I think some people just love the beauty of it. Maybe it's just the, the majestic of watching how this athlete performs. And so a lot of people are drawn to a lot of different things. Me personally, Eric, I think just what really, really just gets me about sports and competition and athletics is the emotions. And that's when I'm really drawn to athletics. When I see Roger Federer uh, play with ice in his veins, he's so cool. He never seemed to ever show negative or positive emotion. Rarely, he's always under control. Read that when he was a young boy, his parents took his rackets away. And they said, you will not play again because you're out of control. You've got to get your emotions in control. And so then I see how he does that. And then I'm watching him on the stands at the uh, Australian Open where he was defeated by Rafael Nadal. And Roger couldn't talk. He sobbed. He was crying on the stand. And here's Rafa come up to him, his, you know, his nemesis, and he puts his arm around him. He's comforting him. And those moments right there, I like to see a winning shot and a great home run and Ohio State beat Michigan, you know, and all those things. But to me, when I see permission to speak freely, Eric, please, at my home in Kansas, and I'm watching, I think it was Kansas, I was watching an interview with a, a reporter, and she's interviewing a man named Derek Redman. She says, Derek, you're the best in the world. I think Eric, it's either the 400 or the 800 meter. He's a runner. She says, Why are you so great? He said, I can tell you about a lot of reasons what made me great, but the thing that made me best and why I'm here running today is because I had enough sense to listen to my dad. My dad taught me a lot of things. My dad told me one thing that's always stuck with me. If you start something, you finish it. And that stayed, that stayed with me with all my training, my family, my wife, my education, my everything. If I start something, and I may be uncomfortable, but I'm going to finish it. I'm dedicating this race. The gold medal. I'm running for the gold medal tonight. I'm dedicating that to my father, who's going to be in the stands. Man, at this point, I'm locked in. He, I'm just loving this Derek Redmond guy. And I'm watching him. They're introduced lane one, lane two. Here he is, lane five. From Canada, Derek Redmond. I'm pumped and I'm jacked. And the race goes off and he's doing great. His arms, he, maybe, coming maybe like the last turn, his eyes get wide as could be. And he grabs the back of his leg. He ripped his hamstring. Goes tumbling down. Everybody else finishes. The camera pans back to Derek. These trainers and coaches come up to try to lift him up, and he pushes them away. Leave me alone. And the camera, CBS or NBC, whoever is handling the Olympics, they have enough sense to stay on that. 
and they're watching this guy hopping on one leg. He can't put any pressure on the leg hamstring that, that snapped. He's hopping. And the announcer says, oh my gosh, I think this guy's going to try to finish the race. Another trainer comes out, leave me alone, pushes him aside. Another guy comes out, he says, look, he was his dad. His dad. And then all of a sudden, Derek Redmond just starts crying. Anybody listen to this, if you Google Derek Redmond, you'll see this moment. All of a sudden, he sees his dad. His dad puts his arm around <laughs> And uh, Redmond just starts crying. And his dad said, you know, you don't need to finish this. He said, oh, I do. You taught me. I finished when I started. Those are the moments in athletics to me, Eric, when I see things like that, the emotions of sports, it just draws me to it and want to continue to be with it. Thank you for sharing that. I mean, because you hear it and you just get that feeling, especially when you say it and you explain it, it's important. We'll put that in the show notes, obviously, the link to that video so you can listen to it. Because what you went to was this why, and we hear about it a lot, right? We hear, why do you do what you do? Why do you enjoy what you enjoy? And you just said it. I enjoy sports because of the emotion that's involved with it. And then there's all these layers and stories and you know, you could come up with thousands of them right on the spot. That's why you do what you do. And you, when you explain it like that, it it is peace. You can watch the game. You can play in the game. You can be a part of it. And you might lose, but you have that peace because you've got to be a part of that emotion. There's this wonder of what might happen. It's this unknown. It's living in real life right in front of you. That's why it's like people are missing it right now. They're not able to watch it because all these things, you can watch replays and that's fun. And you can relive these moments like the ones you just talked about. But it's something else to just, you don't know when it's going to happen. And when you're there and you get to see the raw emotion, soccer is a beautiful sport for that. And they call it the beautiful game because it's so funny. My son, he plays the game and I've been a part of it. And there's this Heineken commercial. And what happens is you turn your head for two seconds and they score the goal. And it wasn't about the goal. It's about the emotion afterwards. You had to watch 90 minutes of a game to see one goal. But that was it. When you enjoy it for that, you just take it in and you totally see it. And then you get to tell the stories the way you tell your stories and we get to be around it. We get to be around people like you. And, and that story kind of, you've mentioned it and I've brought it up as well because you see it every day. Eight, nine-year-old boys. I mean, you see the range with younger than that. My daughter, I'll tell a quick story first. My youngest daughter, Chloe, was doing your Yes, I Can League. I think it was maybe two years ago. And she's about seven years old. And she goes to practice one day. And for whatever reason, she played a little bit NBA 2K. So she's starting to learn these players' names. Well, she took a liking to this player, Joel Embiid. He's seven foot one, I think. She's about, you know, if you saw her right, and she's very short. She's getting taller, but she's very short. Her grandparents got her a Joel Embiid jersey because she was just talking about him endlessly. So she shows up. And I'm thinking, and I'm not there that day. My wife's there. And I was laughing because I've been around you. I've seen you before coaching. I know you're a Kansas Jayhawk fan. And for whatever, you know, she goes off and I'm like, well, if he's there, he's going to get a kick out of it. Sure enough, I get the story from my wife and my daughter that you walked up to her and said, I like the jersey you're wearing, something along those lines. Why do you like Joel Embiid? And she said, because he's really tall. And I think you got to chuckle out of it. And she got to chuckle out of it. And I get to hear the story from, my wife has no idea who Joel Embiid is at the time. She's learning from her youngest. She thinks it's hilarious. But you made an impact on this child by just recognizing something. It wasn't about her shot and her anything else. It was just, you put a smile on her face. That matters. You know what that does? It gets her wanting to show up more. She wants to do the things that you want her to do. She wants to pay attention. It's not about me. It's not about it. It's about her and understanding that there's these other people out there that can really help her out and also put a smile on her face and enjoy the game of basketball. Maybe she never goes anywhere with it, but it's not about that. But you had that impact on her. So I was going to get into the parents thing, but, but first I want to touch on children. You have this impact on these kids. There's this emotion aspect of it. It has to be a reason why you get up every single day because you get to have that type of moment like you had with my daughter, Chloe. It's a responsibility. I'm just fascinated though, Eric, with the right decisions and the wrong decisions that parents can make with their youth. And I want to talk a little bit about that. I think right now, one of the biggest mistakes that parents are making is that they, in their effort, because they love their children so much, 
They want to do everything they can to have their children avoid hardship, disappointments, rejection, things that make them uncomfortable. And I see it on every scale. And I am, I just think parents are just making such a big mistake when, because their son or daughter is uncomfortable or things aren't going well, oftentimes their first reaction, their first impulse is to pull them away from that. I, I saw a boy in the, in the gym, he's a pretty good ball player. I'm very impressed with him. And I knew he went to Myers Park High School. And I knew they had tryouts that day. And I ran into him that afternoon, the next day at the Jewish Community Center. And he's in there shooting hoops. And I walked him with his dad. I said, what are you doing here? He said, well, I'm out of school. I said, what do you mean you're out of school? He said, well, I'm transferring. I said, what do you mean you're transferring? He said, we had tryouts yesterday, and I got cut. I said, so, and? And his dad's there just feeding him off the ball. He said, well, I'm transferring to Providence Day so I can try out there. It wasn't my place to correct the dad in front of his son, but I see that's, that was a, an illustration of, well, things are going well, so we'll just, I'll take care of it. We'll, we'll change this or we'll change this. I remember my son was playing youth football, third grade, Eric, and he had the most wonderful coach, Coach Darrell. Gosh, he was a rock star, dripping with charisma, praised, encouraged. He made the worst player on that team feel like he was a superstar. These boys loved him. They went undefeated and they won the youth Super Bowl, you know, and it was like the most magical season. But his son was growing up, so he had to move up to the next level. So we lose him, the coach. They assigned a guy, and I'm gonna, I'll make a, a fictitious name, Coach Seagap. Here comes Coach Seagap. He is the antithesis. Drives up late, alcohol on his breath, verbally abusing the kids, just mean-spirited, accusing this and this and this. Parents are pulling their kids off. I understand. But I said, we're not going to do that because this is life. We're going to understand how to deal with difficult people and difficult situations. And every day, son, at the end of practice, you're going to go up to Coach Seagat and say, Coach, thank you for coaching me today. And we're going to get through this because that this is life. You need to write him a thank you card for giving us an opportunity right now to practice what life is going to be about. I could talk for hours on and give examples of how parents have made the mistake of, oh, this is so bad, let's just change, let's stop. What are these kids going to be like when they're out of college and all of a sudden their, their boss gets on them or they lose their job and all these setbacks, these firestorms come, are they going to be prepared to handle it? And if they've had what we call helicopter parents who hover over them all the time and just want to hug them and I'll take care of you. They're, they're going to struggle. So it's a fine line. It's a tough, tough balance. I always heard that uh, raising, handling a, a child is like holding a bird. If you, you know, just squeeze it too hard, you kill it. If you're too soft with it, you lose it. So it's just that right amount of firmness as a parent with, with athletics. And last thing, Eric, and I'll turn over to you, but when you're talking about influence, I think it's a really smart thing for parents of youth to keep a keen eye and have an ear open and to watch. And boy, if you find a program or a coach that you say, I want my daughter to be around her. I want my son to be under that man's tutelage. That is going to be a, a big blessing for their life. And so... And they're out there. There's great, great coaches out there. But I think the key is to find them and get your kids in, under their guidance. I'd agree. I mean, that that's a big reason why I think Yes, I Can Basketball has been such a big deal in the Charlotte and obviously expanding now. Having that child, you mentioned that maybe the not the best player on the team feel like a rock star, feel like the best player on the team. That's not that easy. But giving them the confidence that they need. But you also talked about it. There's been a good run in this world and this economy over the last, what, 13 years. Well, all of a sudden, things aren't so good right now. And you just mentioned some things of your boss shows up and doesn't like the work you just did and calls you out. And someone can handle that. And there's another person on the other side that can't handle it. The fight or flight mentality comes out. And I get it. We can all be guilty of it. We can all have our bad days, right? We're all, that happens. But we're dealing with it right now. Everybody is dealing with it to some degree. It's what you do with that time, with that opportunity. You can build, you can start now, but at the same time, like 
if you've never been, as they say, punched in the face, it's going to be much harder to deal with. Are you worried about what's happening right now with the pandemic? And what you just described, maybe that's happened for the last 20 years for some people to say, everything's been taken care of. There has been no hardship. All of a sudden, this is real hardship. I mean, you might lose your job. It's just the facts. It, is, it might be completely out of your control. You were doing everything great. And someone said, listen, we can't afford you anymore. You have to leave. Now what? Are you worried? Yeah. I think I'm worried short term. And I think if we don't have hope, then we don't have anything. And so I can easily get mired into all the negativity, the, the doom and gloom. And I look at the news for about two minutes maximum every morning. I just glance because I, it's just like kryptonite to me. It's toxic. And I have to avoid all that. And I can't keep my head in the sand. got to know what's going on. But I'm trying to shower myself in this time with good things, with good thoughts, avoid stinking thinking. And it's the only way I can get through this and, and to know that we have hope. My staff, we are doing so many productive things right now, planning for that beautiful day. <laughs> yeah. That beautiful day, man. We send out texts to all of our families, emails, phone calls on the website. We are back. And to have those gyms open, have those young kids coming in the, in the programs, whether on soccer fields or baseball fields or football or basketball, have them back doing this, that's going to be a good, good day. Sadly, some people are really being hurt with that. And it's going to, it's taking a big, big hit, particularly people who are running businesses. But we're going to get through all this and we know that. But how you handle this right now, I think it's shaped, it shows your metal, M-E-T-T-L-A, your metal, what kind of character you have. And I'm looking forward to the day when we open those doors. Yeah, I would imagine you are. You're controlling your feed. And I think you can control your feed, whether it's today, if you turn on the news and only watch it for two minutes or don't watch it at all, because you know when things can put you in a bad mood, it's not worth it. It can bring you down. And that little two minutes, you think, well, it was only two minutes or it was only an hour or whatever that was. It could affect the rest of your day. And you could have a bad day. If you're playing basketball, you might not be good on the free throw line. You might miss your shots. You might not listen to the coach clearly because you're upset, whatever that might be. But a lot of times in, in talking about sports again a little bit and youth sports, that 11-year-old gets in the car after the game. They didn't do well. You've seen this and you've talked about it. And a lot of coaches have talked about it. They get in the car. They can't control their feed because the parent might be driving and the parent might get in the car and tell their kid all the things that they did wrong or other things. And I know I've seen it. You didn't just talk about it one time. And yes, I can didn't just talk about it one time. It's consistent, like I said. That is sometimes you can't control your feed. But going back a little bit on that, like, what is your take on the coaching from behind the fence? I've seen it in baseball. I used to coach Little League Baseball and I would watch this parent sitting over here and he's telling the shortstop where to go. He's not the coach. He's telling the shortstop everything. And then guess what happens at the end of the game? Kid struck out maybe one time, maybe had three great hits. Maybe he's the best player on the team by far. What was the kid doing after the game? He was crying, not because of a winner or a loss, because of what he was having to deal with afterwards. I used to be apprehensive, Eric, in speaking with this about all of our parents. But now when I'm running the program on day one, I have no fear at all in speaking and giving this message because the young troops in front of us is what we focus on. So we'll hand out a flyer and it shows them what's expected from them. Because this is what I do know. I share this message with the parents and I said, I'm speaking to you now. Recent Sports Illustrated article said that 70% of 11 to 12 year olds leave sports for good. And the number one reason that they cite is they dread the ride home with dad. They dread that ride home with dad. When you get in the car and say, oh, you are not defending correctly. How many times have I told you when the guy shoots you down, you know, and then there's a barrage of all these things that you failed to do. And then coaching from the stands, I'll have uh, boys in our program who they're, the coach is over here, here's the basket, and there's dad in the stands. They're playing the whole game, looking at dad, the whole game. They make a bad pass. They look at dad in fear. They, they score. They're looking for affirmation. And so the voice that that player needs to hear needs to come from the bench and not from the stands. And we tell our parents that. One time, I walked up to a dad who was sitting there with his wife, and I said, 
Would you please step outside with me? I need to speak with you. Please, both of you, in the hallway, please. And I walked out. So I'm going to say something to you. I'm talking to the father. I said, you're going to either take a swing at me or you'll understand I care about you and your son. But this is what I want to tell you. You're destroying your son's game. You're robbing him of any kind of joy. You're killing him. He will be away from athletics. You are so... And I went to specific details. So he's coaching him on every play. The boy's an emotional wreck because of how you are in the stands. Do your son a favor. Either don't come in the gym, just drop him off, or come in the gym and say nothing, but occasionally just clap your hands and cheer for other kids too. You don't need to be up there giving a monologue on your son's play because it's nauseating everybody in the gym. And that guy, I don't think received it really well. He said, okay. And he didn't come to the gym the next game. Sadly, I never saw the kid or the dad again. It's a problem in youth sports when we have parents who are doing so much coaching from the stands and those that have a really good appreciation of it and to do it the right way. I always like to go up and compliment them, but we make a big point in our program and we have to sometimes just stop and say, some of you parents right now in this game are getting out of hand. Pump the brakes. Just pump the brakes, okay? Let's just let these children play the game and have fun. You guys just, you're a little out of, out of control. Yeah, you're a truth teller. And I think it's needed. I mean, it's honesty and what you're impacting. And we hear a lot about it today is mental health because this stuff can stick with you. Like you said, you can destroy that kid. And you mentioned dads. It's not just dads, by the way, as you well know, there's moms too. It's a combination. I mean, this crosses genders. And it's funny, I was talking about how my son plays soccer, but he plays a lot of sports and he was doing, they want, dad, I want to play rec basketball. I'm like, let's go play rec basketball. And he played in this rec basketball league and they were having a lot of fun and it got serious. Like they, these kids were into it. It was fun to watch. And, you know, there's a little bit of complaint, but nothing too bad. Then they came to this game and I went to watch and I'm happy to be sitting next to this guy. And he's obviously a parent of the other team. He's talked a little bit at the beginning. It got so out of hand. It was, it was embarrassing. I was embarrassed because I was near this person and it was impacting me. And people were like, kind of like looking around and it got late in the game and the game was close and his son was not playing well. He's a good player. I mean, there's no doubt. I'd, I'd seen him play before. He's a good player. He's probably their best player on the team. He got called for a foul that they didn't agree with. And his son didn't agree with it either, but he kind of let it go. And he had the ball in his hand and he turns around and he looks at his dad and he says, dad, shut up. He's yelled at him right there, right then. He couldn't take it. And you could see his face. You could see how embarrassed and sad, but it, I've seen it. I've seen it a lot. I've seen it on baseball. I've seen it in soccer. I've seen parents get kicked off the field. I've seen people attack referees. I'm just like, again, it doesn't matter what level of sport you're in. It could be at an NFL game, the biggest sport that we're dealing with in this country, and people just go crazy, and it just takes away from the game. But when you do it to these kids, I know you have a problem with it because you live it every single day. It bothers me to no end, and that's why I continue to go back on this point because a lot of these kids, they can't control their feed you don't have to turn on the news. You can't just shut off your dad when you're 10 years old or 12, whatever that might be. You try, you can try to tune it out and you try and surround yourself with good people, but it's very difficult. It's a very important topic that we cover. And I appreciate your honesty. You're very honest. I and mean, when you're talking, I've noticed you before, and this is an important thing, discipline. And I was actually worried because at the right before I was calling you, my computer was set up and I was having a little glitch with my computer. So I switched. I had two computers here. And I looked at the clock and I was ready to go before 10 o'clock. And I'm like, oh my goodness, it's 10.01. I'm talking to Coach Mac. I'm going to be late. He's going to make me run laps. And honestly, I probably deserve it. I should have been ready to go beforehand. But there is a discipline to that. And you know what? Sometimes you might be late. Sometimes things might happen. There's no excuse for that. I should have just been getting ready 10 minutes sooner. But it happened. But I've seen you when you give those presentations. I talked about the three feelings in sports. When you line those kids up, it might not even be those kids. It might be a sister or brother off to the side and they're making noise and they're disrupting you. Or it might not be a kid that's looking at you when they're talking and you clap at them. You need to focus up here, son. And we need that. That discipline is the hard truth. You have to respect the person that's talking right now. When you're talking, I'll respect you when you're talking. And you've done that a lot just in our conversation. You would, you would hand it back to me and say, Eric, you take it where you want to take it now. It's an important thing. And obviously, this goes way back. Like, 
how did you get here? How did you get to have this discipline, these thoughts, this thing with you sports? I mean, obviously it's a lot of experience. Was it your upbringing? Was it coaches that you had been around? Where did you get this type of discipline and this thought process that you have today? I was raised by a military officer, Eric, who practiced discipline. And it's kind of emotional thinking about my dad and the influence that he had on me. My father left me a lot of things. But the thing that he left me most was a good example. And in a lot of ways, uh, the way he disciplined himself. And I tell our youth this, that if you discipline yourself, nobody will, will ever have to. Don't ever let anybody punish you. Just discipline yourself. And, and so you're asking me where I, where I think this all came from my father. And just he instilled with me the discipline to do things the right way. If I, my chore was to make my bed and I'm just a little boy, he would be gentle with me a lot of time, but pretty darn firm. My father, his voice was just like, that's all I needed to hear. But even, yeah. is this your best effort? Let's look at this. This is not straight. This pillow is off. But even I say, if you're going to do something, do it the right way. Why, why not do it the right way, son? So I think a lot of the way I have become all through my life started with this message of disciplining myself from a military officer. Good habits, right? There's a book and I don't, I was looking to see if I had it here. It's somewhere and I know I have it on Kindle, Make Your Bed. And he gave a, he's University of Texas Longhorns graduate and was in the military and it's a short book and it's a great book. And clearly there was something that I knew that was there behind you that helped you along this journey. Like, I don't think we just get there by ourselves as we've kind of been talking about. You need that. You need coaches. You need parents. You need certain people. And for everybody, it's going to be somebody different. It's usually a lot of people oftentimes, and that's okay too. But clearly there's something there. Let me jump in on that, Eric. I, like when I'm with our youth, I, I tell them, I said, you know, I think one of the most important things that you guys can get in the habit of doing, and I, I need you to listen to me really careful when I'm talking to these kids. It's just something really simple. But if you get in the habit of doing this every day, life will just favor you. And that's just making your bed. You just make your bed every morning. You're starting the day off. You're organized. You're neat. You're clean. You're, it's just a simple thing. But, and I'll tell them, I said, you know, I'm 64 years old. And I can't remember the last time I didn't make my bed every day. I had to get up early this morning. And my wife was sleeping. But I still made the bed. I just tucked it in under. You know, she, she's in there sleeping. I'm just teasing, of course. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, that idea of making your bed for you, it's a big, big deal. So when we have that yeah. message in our summer camps, we'll have a little contest. We'll have a, a raffle. And if we, we call your name out, then we're going to call your mom or dad at work. We're going to call them at work. And we have some extra surprises. Uh, it might just be a breezy at, at Dairy Queen or something. I don't know. But. So we'll call them at work to make sure. Chucky says he made his bed. We're calling you. <laughs> Sorry to interrupt your meeting there at Wells Fargo, but I got to get a uh, confirmation. Did he make his bed? He said, sure did, because he made it every day this whole week. You know? <laughs> and so hopefully that stirs that or gets you going. Yeah. Oh, it's, that's a great thing. I mean, you do a lot of those things. I mean, you talk about be nice to your brother and sister. So if you have younger siblings, be nice to them. Show them what it's like, because they're going to be looking at you. They're going to be watching you. Or if you have older siblings, make them proud, You know, do all those different things. You are an important part of the community because even if it's not about basketball, if it's just about discipline, if it's about a little good diet of motivational talks, that's important. You're developing players in the spirit. And, and I just had to say this because we talk about controlling the feed and, and all these things. And this is why content, I think, matters a lot. This is why, as I think about it, as I'm on self-betterment path, when you start realizing my younger self would just giggle hearing me say those types of things. But I get to have a conversation with someone like yourself without the podcast. Yeah, maybe you did reach out to me, but it was because of content. It was because of an article you read. I get to have this conversation with you. If I see you at the courts, we could talk, but you're a busy guy. You got things going on. Well, now we have this pandemic that's going on. Well, guess what? It's Saturday morning right now. And said, hey, weekends are wide open. Every day is almost the same right now. Let's just talk Saturday at 10 o'clock. I get to have these conversations. It's why I podcast. It's, I talked about Chloe before. She's now nine years old. And I remember she was born and she was born in January. It's cold and people have colds and things are going on. And she's in the hospital a month into being born. 
and nothing will change you quite like seeing your child in a hospital and then sleeping at the hospital when your child's there. She had something called RSV, which for you and I would be a really bad cold. For someone of that age, it's very dangerous and very bad. When I walked into that hospital room and I saw her on the bed, changed me forever. When I left, I wasn't the same. And it hurt inside and it you didn't feel right. And there's just a lot of things going on. And you start having these self-doubts and negative thoughts and all these things going on. And it's very real. I didn't realize it at the time, but I was I started paying attention more. I started reading and listening and thinking and doing all of these things. And I realized what a podcast could do for me, what a book could do for me. It doesn't always have to be positive. It doesn't always have to be Tony Robbins or motivational speaking. I'm saying it could be strategic. It could be interesting. It could be something you want to learn. All of a sudden, you get outside your own head and you start really understanding what you're trying to do. And then to say, well, wait, I can be a part of that too. What if I can have conversations like I'm having with Coach Mac here? And then someone, one person listens to that conversation, it could help them out. But you know what? I always say this, say it to our, our clients and our content marketing side. If no one listens to what you're saying, you are a part of that conversation or you wrote that piece or you did that. How important is that? You can learn from that. If no one ever listens to this. I was here. I was present. I got to listen to these things. And it's very important to me to have these types of conversations. And I don't take it for granted for a second. It's no different than the kid that can go or the person, whoever that is, that shows up to practice every day knowing it's not going to be easy. It's going to be difficult. I had a little bit of challenges just today getting this stuff going. And you know what? It's not easy. It's nerve-wracking. You got to talk to someone who's influential in the community and you have to deal with that. You might show up to practice. Your coach is in a bad mood. You're going to run a lot today. But can you find a way to say, man, I get to do that today. I get to be in this gym. I get to be with this coach. And you say these things. So for me, it's like, man, I'm just preaching to the choir here. But it's so important and I look at what you're doing at Yes, I Can Basketball, and I saw something in that. It's very clear. I think it's on your website. Develop players, but it's not just about developing players. It's helping that spirit. It's developing the spirit of that kid. I've had two, I have three kids. My oldest and my youngest have both been in the program. My middle would have been there, but she dances and she's running around and she's got incredible spirit. It's just important that you're here doing that. But I want to talk a little bit about you developing players and the spirit. And just overall, I want you to talk about the Yes, I Can Basketball program when you started it, why you started it, and where it's going from here. Coaching was what I did for a living. That's how I earned my income. I didn't have a lot of joy in that. It was more relief. And I once had a really wise friend of mine. He saw there was a weakness of mine. He, he told me, joy delayed is joy forever lost. And he said, you always delay your joy. You have a great, great win, but you don't enjoy it. You're, you're always thinking about the next game when you're preparing. Or, and uh, I never really loved coaching. It was more of a relief. Long story. But I love being in the gym with youth. And I, I think it's because when I was a young boy, Eric, I had some very influential men invest in me. And I wanted to be that. So when I had that opportunity, I wanted to take advantage of that. So it was not just teaching and coaching. It was also having an opportunity to breathe life, to encourage. So when I see a kid being ugly to another kid, I've got an idea what I'm going to do, what my message is going to be. And this boy will hear it. I'm going to talk about echo. So my story that day is going to be about this dad who's raising his son in the inner cities of New York. This boy's never been out of the city, but he takes him to the Grand Canyon and they're out in the floor of the Grand Canyon. It's a pretty cool experience. The boy slips. The boy slips, he yells, he's ah in the background here, ah, ah, ah. He doesn't know what it is. He had no idea what that is. He says, stop it. And then he hears, stop it, stop it, stop it. Now he's angry. He said, knock it off, knock it off, knock it off. Boy turns to his dad and says, Dad, who is that? What's going on? Dad steps forward. He said, son, a lot of people call that echo, but I call it life. Pay attention. You're the best. You're the best. You're the best. You're amazing. You're amazing. You're amazing. He said, see, what came out of your mouth, son? Anger. And what came back? Anger. What came out of my mouth? Praise. But what came back? Praise. Life is like an echo. What comes out of you is what's going to come back. And so I'm, I'm not particularly bearing down on this boy who I saw really mistreating a friend. 
But then I asked, then I want to challenge them. Well, how about you? What's coming out of you? Are you being critical of people? Are you being cynical? Are you being negative? Are, that's probably what's going to come back. And so we have an opportunity to talk about that. But then also not only what you say, but your works. And this is a beautiful thing about athletics and why those of us that have an opportunity to experience it, it shapes our character and particularly helps us when we get into business because a lot of my people may say, well, I want to be this and this, but what, what are you actually doing? Are you doing what's going to take you to get there? Are you showing the work ethic? So you can say, I want to be this and this. What comes out of you is what's going to come back. So if you have good work ethic coming out of you, you're going to have good things coming back to you. So to answer your question, that's, it's the why. It's not what we do. It's just the why. That's what motivated me to get into it. I did not expect, and I want to make a very important point here, Eric. When I started doing this, I got out of coaching and I took a job as an executive headhunter. I'm placing stem cell research scientists, patent attorneys that have biotech background. Hard to find people uh, being paid more than I know what I deserve. But I'm not happy. It's not fun sitting in on a desk all day making deals and just didn't do anything for me. So on the side, I started running camps. Back then, well, wait a minute, when you play winter basketball, where do you play in the spring? There's no spring basketball. Why do you play basketball in the winter? This is back like 97, 95 here in Charlotte. So I said, well, let's, let's run a league. And then wait a minute, how come there's no girls' programs? There's no girls' leagues. There's no girls' training. Well, let's start that. All I started doing was satisfying the need. But let me be clear. I had a hole inside me. And all I was doing here, I was just filling that hole. It was just an opportunity for me to have purpose and significance in my life. But then one day, I went and I resigned because I realized, you know what? I can be one of the lucky few. I can earn a living, a comfortable living, doing what I love. So I turned this idea into a business and incorporated it legally in 2006. And then just all I've done is just satisfy needs. And, and it's worked out quite well. So it's a nice, comfortable business, but it has a lot of purpose to it. That's how I got there. That's beautiful. I mean, you leaned into it. You saw something, you leaned into it a little bit at a time, and then you took it over and you just went for it. True entrepreneur. And I appreciate you sharing so many stories. I mean, you obviously have this like library of stories of content, and that's what we love to talk about it. And you could just pull all sorts of stories. And I think it's so cool that you pull it as you're watching the game happen, perhaps. Well, this is the message today. Maybe it is, but I got to change it because I'm watching something happen over here. And I want to change that message. And I want these kids to understand that. And it's important. And I'm just so glad that you reached out and like just going back on that, just to show the type of person you are. You had called our office one day and you talked to Scott. And Scott sends me a message. He says, Dan McGovern from Yes, I Can Basketball called you up. And here's his phone number. He wants you to give him a call. He just wants to tell you some good stuff. He wants to give you praise. And I'm like, I know Dan McGovern. My kids have been in his program. And Yes, I Can Basketball. And what does he want to talk about? And I didn't get to late the afternoon. I called you, I think the, the next day or the day after that. And you just wanted to say, hey, you came across something that we had wrote on Sportsypreneur. And I just wanted to tell you, I'm really happy with what you're doing. I, whatever that was, it's keep going, keep doing it. And like I said, at the very beginning, you didn't have to do that. People don't have to do those things. And But when you say something nice, it's like that echo. Man, it's just good stuff. And I just appreciate the fact that you did that. And it means a lot to me. And it means a lot that you would spend about an hour just today sitting here chatting with me on a Saturday during the middle of all this stuff that we're going through and sharing these stories. And I hope we can continue this relationship and these conversations because being around someone like you is important, not only for my kids who have been a part of your program, but for myself and for anyone that listens to this and for people in my group that, I mean, it's required listening. Listen to Coach Mac's stories. It's, it won't hurt. It'll help. I promise. Well, let me wrap up with this, Eric, and, and thank you for your time. And I, I contacted your office because I found what you were doing. I was, I was just simply impressed. I found it very impressive. So I just want to let you know that. And thank you for your time today. But this is kind of a nice way to segue into this, that now going into, you know, I think we've got three chapters in our life and I'm entering the third chapter. And I had fear uh, of doing things that I wasn't was going to be comfortable with. And we talked about this earlier. And people would come up to me for years and they would say, Danny, yes, I can basketball a franchise. I said, why do you ask that? They said, it just feels like it. I said, no, it's not a franchise. You should make it a franchise. 
and I've had more people tell me that through the years. I looked at it seven years ago, and it overwhelmed me. I had fear. I thought, that's just way too much work. But boy, we pulled the trigger on this, e, and I'm really happy to let you know that my third chapter, we're not ready now because of this climate, but we have been working diligently, preparing, shaping, molding what this is going to look like, and we will be launching this into a franchise. One of the most popular ones, and I really have a lot of respect for this franchise, Soccer Shots. And they're based right here in Charlotte. They have 244 units. It's unbelievable. And I share that with you because your, your program here has to do with sports and business and entrepreneurship. And so I've listened. And now, boy, am I thrilled and excited. I'm spending hours and hours and days and days and days preparing and getting this launched so that um, we'll be awarding Yes I Can basketball franchises in Flagstaff, Arizona, and Des Moines, Iowa. Des Moines, that's in Iowa, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, Wichita, Fort Wayne, Indiana, all over. So I'm really jacked about that being my last chapter. And then teaching those, training these people for five days here in Charlotte on how to give a yes I can experience. Not only how to run a business, but run a business that can have a big impact. So I appreciate you letting me share all this with you and your listeners, Eric, and thank you for all that you do. Yeah, well, thank you. I mean, I'm happy for you. And this type of program is going to do well you leading the charge and you training these people. Like I said before, if you have a child who's even interested remotely in basketball, by all means, check it out. But as we know, it sells out fast. It's not easy to get into. <laughs> I think it's yesicanbasketball.com, yes, right? Yeah, yesicanbasketball.com, yep. Okay. Peace be with you, Eric. Thank you, Coach Mack. One of my favorite things about our Sports Epreneur content platform is the opportunity to chat with amazing people in and around the world of sports. We hope you enjoyed the conversation. If you want to connect more, hit us up on Instagram at Sports Epreneur. Thank you for listening to this CadSource production, the Sports Epreneur podcast, the podcast where sports and entrepreneurship collide. Mm-hmm.